power of the Holy Spirit that God revealed to me that we must be able to forgive those who have done us wrong. And I want to speak to the times that we're going through real, real quick with, 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 with the uh, police abuse and the uh, white uh, supremacy and uh, white privilege uh, and, 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 and people of color being somewhat subservient or second-class citizens. I want to kind of address this real quick as we have this mindset today as we talk that God can turn the cold heart around. God can. Because last week when I preached, I was, and I still am angry. It hadn't went away yet. But I thank God for the psalmist of the 23rd Psalm and it says that he restores my soul. And to be able to think clearly, we have to, if we're going to make any uh, proper decisions and correct any of the atrocities that has been performed throughout the history of this nation, we have to be able to think clearly. We can't go into it angry and mad. And after going back and looking at the way that I delivered the message last week, I want to uh, apologize for two things. Uh, I meant what I said. I feel like some of it I said wrong. Because the intent was not to offend. The intent was to grab attention. So I use what this society calls the N-word. I want to apologize for that. Amen. I know it's offensive to some people. And my intent is not to offend. I also use the term crap. I want to apologize for that. I meant what I said. I just feel I said it wrong. It was brought to my attention. Those things, those words that I used derogatory terms and uh, we can never teach someone in the middle of offending them, so it was not my intent to offend. But it was my intent to grab your attention. Because what I want to have to be able to preach and teach, I have to be able to live myself, and I have to be able to trust that God can Amen. turn a cold water around. And he doesn't need my help to do it. So I want to be able to speak to this issue, the same issue, with another tone today. And I want to use Nebuchadnezzar as my illustration today. The fourth chapter of Daniel is written by Nebuchadnezzar. I'll put it this way because there's much debate about it, but, but the fourth chapter of Daniel is written in first person and it's Nebuchadnezzar's people. Let me put it that way. Daniel chapter 4, verse 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages 
starts off again in verse 2 in the first person. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. The third verse he says, how great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is once again from generation to generation. And here we get to the fourth verse and I'm convinced that it's Nebuchadnezzar's uh, autobiography here. He may not have penned it, but uh, he definitely is the author. He definitely spoke these words. And I want to show you in a minute why I believe that Nebuchadnezzar actually wrote it. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible says in the fourth, the fourth verse, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace, and I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed, and the visions of my head troubled me. And we understand that Nebuchadnezzar was a vicious king. And I want to show you how God wants all people to be saved. And I'm using Nebuchadnezzar as my example today. Because we start off in Daniel chapter 1 seeing that Nebuchadnezzar conquered Judah. And the Bible says that when he conquered Judah, that he took the choice people, the smart, educated, strong men, specifically, but women as well, uh, from Judah to Babylon. And when he got them to Babylon, he told Aspenaz that he should begin to train them in the language of Babylon, the Babylonians, in the lifestyles of the Babylonians, in other words, he told them to wipe away their culture. And one of the things we realized that Daniel, Meshach, uh, Daniel, uh, Azariah, Mishael, I want to make sure I get their names right. Hallelujah. These were their birth names. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were their Hebrew names. And in the making of a slave, which I read from the Willie Lynch law, in the making of a slave, there are several things that a slave master must do to bring that slave into submission. And a few of the things are, you wipe away their religion, you wipe away their culture, and you change their names. Now, we'll let that sink in, because that's what happened to us when we uh, with America, I won't say when we, we came to America because some of us was already here, our ancestors was already So don't be fooled by all black folk came over on the boat. Hallelujah. But when slavery began in America, the first things that they did in creating the slave is just what the textbook says because they might have gotten it from Nebuchadnezzar when he took Judah in the Babylon because the first thing they did was destroy their culture. Read it for yourself. He told Aspenaz to train them in the language. So right away he took away their language, their culture. And then their names, their names were no longer uh, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and 
Their names now were Belteshazzar, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They were created slaves. But God knew the plan that he had for Nebuchadnezzar. And to change a cohort, God had to reveal some things to Nebuchadnezzar. So instead of turning toward God, Nebuchadnezzar got arrogant. 
and he built a sixty foot statue. And not only did he build the sixty foot statue, he told the people that whenever they hear the certain music, that they needed to bow down to the statue. And obviously, people was doing it because it was pointed out that there were some Hebrew boys that wasn't bowing down. So we see how vicious Nebuchadnezzar could be as a king. And he said that, and, and you got to realize something now, that Daniel had already interpreted the dreams about the kingdom. And remember, he went home, the Bible says, when the king told him the dream, the Bible says that Daniel went home and had a conference with me, uh, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They helped him interpret this dream. Matter of fact, Daniel told them to pray to God so that God would give him the revelation. So Nebuchadnezzar liked the Hebrew boys. The Bible says because Daniel was in the able to interpret the dream that Nebuchadnezzar appointed the three Hebrew boys as governors and Daniel was his first man. So these were people that he liked. But when he got the word that they were not bowing down to the statue, the Bible says, first of all, because he liked them, he called them in. In other words, he gave them a chance. He said, listen, y'all, I'm going to paraphrase in 2020 vernacular, well, actually, my generation vernacular. I don't know what kind of words they're using these days. But Nebuchadnezzar called the Hebrew boys in there with a little something like this. Listen, y'all, y'all my homeboys. You know I like y'all. Y'all get turned dreams and everything. Y'all all right with me. All y'all got to do is bow down to the statue when you hear the music, and we cool. The three Hebrew boys went into this long exhortation, and they said, King, we can't bow down to you. Amen. We only bow down to one God. We bow down to no man. Amen. We bow down to the God who created heaven and earth. We bow down to the God of Abraham. Hallelujah. We bow down to the original God. The only God. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was wroth. One version of the Bible says that his face became twisted. He got so angry. And look at how vicious this man was, how full of hate and indignation he was. And that's what we're dealing with today, people that's full of hate and indignation. And Nebuchadnezzar, full of hate, said, throw him into the fiery furnace and heat it seven times hotter. The Bible says that the furnace was so hot that the men who threw their men got burned. But oh, the love of after they threw them in and the men were burning themselves, the Bible says then, Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fire. Now I want you to understand that this wasn't a choice Nebuchadnezzar was full this is what you would, would call a vision. Because Nebuchadnezzar pointed something very suspicious out to his people. He said, wait a minute, didn't we throw three men bound and gagged into the fire? He says now, how in the world and they not tied up no more, they loose, and they walking around in the fire, and they got a fourth man with them that looked like our son of God. But when I got to that part, I stopped. Because there's a difference between the definite article D and the multiplicity of the one-letter word A. Because when you say I can choose A something,
something that means there's a variety to choose from. But when you talk about something in the definite article, you say the, that means that it's only one. But in our Bibles, let me show you where our Bibles got these terrible translations from. Our Bible says that he looks like the Son of God, but when you read the notes, it says in the original text, the word, the definite article, the is not there. The word says it's a, because you got to ask yourself, at that point, since Jesus hadn't been born yet, how would Nebuchadnezzar know what the Son of God looked like? So right away we point out, and this is what I continually try to tell people, I love God that he had our Bible written in English so we can understand it, but that's a lot of mistranslation. And you have to what the Bible says. You need to know the difference between when a sentence has A, meaning you got a choice from a lot of things, and it says the, which is called a definite article. You only, there's only one option. So Nebuchadnezzar says the fourth one looks like a son of God. In other words, he looked like somebody who got power. In other words, he looked like majesty. He looks like royalty. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that when they pulled him out of the fire, that they didn't even smell like smoke. Their hair wasn't singed or anything. And I want to use today as a thought to that God loved Nebuchadnezzar so much that he revealed part of himself to him in the fire. Dust to dust, that's our body. The body go 
going back to the ground from where it came from. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7, it says that the spirit goes back to God who gave it. But I want to talk to you today about the soul of man because that's our concern today. We should be concerned about the souls of our brothers and sisters, even those that hate us, even those that despitefully use us, even those that stab us in the back, even those that try to keep their knee on our neck. I believe today as the people of God that we got to learn how to pray for those individuals. Hallelujah. Because it's what God wants. It's not, it's not God's intent that any should be lost, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we have to learn how to pray for people who have done us wrong. So Nebuchadnezzar, and when we read the words that Nebuchadnezzar wrote, I think it's safe to say, because before Christ came, I don't think we could use the term saved in salvation because that came through Christ. But it seems as though in the Old Testament way, he changed his mind and began to live for God. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was the king unto all the people and nations. But even though Nebuchadnezzar professed God, in chapter 3, God wasn't finished with him yet. Because every now and then, how many of us know people in our own lives that come to God, something happened or some time passed by, they come to the They come to God, something happens or some time passes and they leave God. All of us know somebody in our life like that. Most churches got two or three members. They come and they go. Because God wasn't finished with Nebuchadnezzar yet. The Bible says that although at the end of chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar lifted up God. At the beginning of chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar is talking about how good God is in his life. Nebuchadnezzar even made a decree about God. That there shall be no worship of no other God. But I want to show you today that God wasn't finished with Nebuchadnezzar yet. Amen. Because Nebuchadnezzar had one more dream. Yeah. And the Bible shows us in this dream that there was a tree. Mm. And the tree grew and was strong. And the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof was much, and in it was meat or substance for all. The beast of the field lay under the cool shadow of the tree. The fowls of the air lived under branches of the tree. And he says, therefore, all flesh was fed by this tree. And he said, I saw in vision of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. 
and he cried with a loud voice, cut the tree down, cut off the branches, shake off the leaves, scatter the fruit, let the beasts get away from under, and the fowl will no longer live in the branches. But he says in that 15th verse of the chapter, nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots on the earth. This is showing us when Daniel interpreted this dream that first of all, Nebuchadnezzar, I didn't really understand it as I read, but when Nebuchadnezzar called all of his people in, all of his seers, all of his astrologers, this time he did not tell them the dream. They had to figure out the dream. And they had to figure out the interpretation. And of course, none of them can do it. But how many of you know that once again, she comes down to the rescue? And Daniel interprets the dream and he has to give the king the bad news. You are that truth. You have become mighty and powerful. The whole world is being sustained by your riches and your glory. He says, but you don't be cut down. And in 28 verses, it says, all of this came from only King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, so a year has passed. And he says he walked throughout the palace, and the king spoke to himself and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? By the might of oh, that's where he got trouble. By the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty. Look at verse 31, it says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee eat grass like an ox. Seven times shall pass over thee. Seven years, in other words, shall pass over thee. Until thou know that the most high ruler in the kingdom of men. And it is God who gives them everything that they need. Verse 33 says, the same hour was the thing fulfilled of all that he could And yes, he was driven out from men. He did eat grass like an ox. His body was wet from the dew until his hair grew like an eagle's feather and his nails grew like the claws of a bird. Now, what you know, 
that although you're going through trial, although because of our disobedience as a nation, we're going through tribulation, although we have set God aside, we've taken God out of the schools, we've taken God out of public gifts, theoretically, y'all, we've taken God out of life. Yes, we still like to say his name, but I'll tell you like Paul said when he went into Athens one day. He says that they were worshiping a statue of the unknown God. And yes, in this society, we use God's name all the time. But I want you to understand that you can use his name and still not praise him. You can say his name and still not worship him. You can say his name and still not love him. But I'm so glad that God is the God of the second chance. I even heard that he's the God of the third chance. I even heard that he's the God of an unknown amount of chances. And it's all because of his love and his grace and his mercy. So I thank God today that he did not give up on Nebuchadnezzar. After seven years passed, at the end of the day, Nebuchadnezzar said that he looked up his eyes toward heaven and his understanding returned to him. Church, all we got to do is repent and ask God to forgive us for our sins and the main sin that we're dealing with right now as Americans. And it don't matter if you're white and you got the power. It doesn't matter if you're black and you're being oppressed. It don't matter if you are Asian, Korean, Vietnamese, uh, Hispanic, Puerto Rican. It doesn't matter where you're from. I'm telling you today that God is giving America a second chance. So if we live in this nation, in this nation, on this land, God is giving us another chance. So I'm going to ask our white supremacist brothers, why don't you put it down on your hate? I'm going to ask you that you would stop this to all people of color. Now we are so much inferior to you. I believe that God created all of them to be equal. Hallelujah. I understand that God created us all in his image after his likeness. So I'm going to ask my area nation brothers. Yeah.
stony heart is. He's able to take away your hatred. But you got to fall on your knees and serve the true and living God. The God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. The God who stood out on the vastness of nothing and started calling things in the beard. You can't serve your demonic God no more. Because I ain't never read where the God of the Bible instituted hate. I ain't never read where the God of the Bible stood up for killing. I ain't never read where the God of the Bible where these people murdering one another. So I don't know. Roof. 
was black. And he looked over from his balcony and he seen Bathsheba taking a bath. And I think her name was Sheba, but they called her Bathsheba because the king saw her taking a bath. And David, being the king, sent his servant over to get Bathsheba. Now, I don't know how many Christian women out there don't keep it real, but if Barack Obama would have called for you to come to the White House, I'm sure most of you would have took a plane down to D.C. Because when the key calls, most of us go answer. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that he sent for Bathsheba, Uriah's, the Hittite's wife. So we know right off the bat, as you pointed out the other night, it wasn't no mistake because the king knew she was married. But sometimes, as men, we get prideful, we get arrogant, and we just want what we want, even though we know it's wrong, going in. I want to tell you that that's called premeditated sin. Hallelujah. And that she became to the king's palace. And the Bible says that they did sleep together. Hallelujah. And Bathsheba got pregnant. Well, now the plot begins to fit. Because now that she's pregnant, the king got to make a cover. So the king tried to do the wrong thing in the right way. How many of you know sometimes we can do some wrong things in the right way? And how many of you know we can do some right things in the wrong way? So the king made up a scheme and said, I'm going to call somebody in to prove it out. Hallelujah. And I was just making up a plan to have Uriah sleep with his wife. Now, me and Elder were dead to the war. And I'm telling you, Elder, if I would have had a chance to come home from Saudi Arabia, actually, I did when my mother died. But you know what I did before I went to the funeral? Hallelujah. Thank you. 
to the captain of the guard. He says, put your rider on the front line to the hottest part of the battle. But even after David did all of that, God in the New Testament is saying that uh, David is a man after God's own heart. God is continually reaching out to his people. I want to be able to speak to somebody today. Don't look at me as no perfect man. I've got flaws. God know about them. I've got issues. God know about them. I've got privileges and proclivities. And God knows every last one of them. You might not know. But I'm so glad that God still loves me anyhow. That He still gives me His grace. He still shares His mercy. I know I don't deserve it, but God is a good God. God is a holy God. So don't look at men as trying to be so holy. God still loves us. Why did he make me a pastor? I don't know why. I don't have a clue. I'm a man undone. I'm a man full of sin. So I tell you right now, don't look at me as being perfect. Look at me as God used me. And I thank God today. Hallelujah. Look at Paul. God took Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting Christians. Put them in jail. Cast in the stone. But one day on the Damascus Road, God reached out to Paul. He reached out and changed him. Gave him a heart of flesh. Turned him around and made him learn how to love people. It wasn't all about keeping the Hebrew law no more. Paul said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. As touching the law, I'm perfect. He says, but forgetting all of those things which are behind, I press forward to the high calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is calling out to you today, and he's calling out to me. No matter what's going on in our lives, you still may be drinking, you still may be smoking, you still may be lying and cussing. You might have stolen something off the job just yesterday. You might have sleeping with your neighbor's wife. Whatever it is, I want you to know that God can turn your heart around. God can push your feet on side down. I want you to know that. Now, say, fair mind, the song says it was in love. 
that there's hatred, that there's evilness, that there's bigotry, there's racism, there's lust, there's evil thoughts, evil desires, sneaky people, thieves. Lord, we ask right now that you would bless them, God, and that you would touch them, transform their hearts, God. Give them the desires of their hearts. And if that's you today, I want you to repeat after me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For accepting me into your family. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I believe that he rose into heaven and is sitting at your right hand making intercession for your people. So Lord, I renounce my sins. I repent of my sins right now. And I thank you, God, for having a way that we can be changed, that we can be saved, that we can become part of your family after living a life of evilness and sin. So we thank you we love you. And there may be some same soul out there today who knows Jesus as the partner of that sin. But you haven't been living for love. We want to pray for you today for rededication. That you would turn around, not a 360, but a 180. Metanoia, that you would repent. And that you would stop and turn and go in another direction. And God is faithful. He will accept you into the family. So I thank you, God, for all of those who said the prayer, God, of initial salvation and rededication. We pray, God, right now in Jesus' name, that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would cleanse us from all our righteousness. We pray right now for these emeralds, that you would transform them into their divine purpose, that they may be for the body, the nourishment, the, edit, the edification, God, that we would know, God, by taking this symbolic record and this symbolic line, that we are celebrating the Son Jesus until he comes. So fill us today with your love. And we thank you for it all. In the mighty name of the Son, we sure appreciate Jesus. Christ for the Son, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah.